0: Welcome to the Noble Warrior Podcast. I'm your host, C.K. Lin, former tech executive turned entrepreneur. This podcast is about purpose and what other people have already figured out. My intention is that you use these lessons and insights to have more impact, more prosperity, and more joy in life and business. And maybe one day, you even join our tribe. Today's guest is a co-lead of Chemistic, one of my favorite camps like Burning Man. She's a master facilitator. She's a master coach of relationships. She is the CEO of Quadratic Leadership. If you're curious about what she does afterwards, go to quadratic.co. Please welcome Jennifer Russell.
1: Mm, thank you for having me, CK. I love that you're doing this series on theme camp Organizers and that I'm amongst a really great group that you've already interviewed. So thank you for having me.
0: Of course. Can't wait to dive in. Why yeah. don't you tell us? what is Mystic and what does it stand for i think that's a good place to
1: oh oh great yes so uh, you know first thing of note is uh camp mystic has a uh, over 20 year history on the playa from some really beautiful and humble beginnings as a real small group of people started to come and um, i got involved in it about 12 years ago and have been co-leading it for the last 12 years so what is camp mystic i, I would say Uh, You know, we're a group of thought leaders, entrepreneurs, teachers, healers, artists, performers, and we have all come together through our dedication to basically leave everyone better than we found them, right? We like creating transformational experiences. And I think specifically the name mystic is about um, really our um, awe with the mystery of life and mm-hmm. our desire to um, connect and plumb the depths of what it means to be human through our own direct connection to the divine and to things that are greater than we are, right? So mm-hmm. a mystic is someone who really seeks to contemplate those mysteries and um, and have that direct relationship. So that's what I see us about, and those are the experiences we like to create a camp for everyone.
0: Awesome! I love. You you mentioned a lot of keywords. When mm. I first walked into Mystic back in 2017. Ah. And and I wasn't a Mystic then, but then mm. I felt right away at home and I saw the speaker series. There are names that I recognize. I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. And then I got into I'm like, oh, this is a an intersection between the material and the spiritual. Yes. Uh, also something that I've been seeking and in real in the default world right, outside of Burning Man but also in Burning Man as well so I felt immediately right at home
1: oh I love that you know that intersection and many like it I think are where the juice of life is when you can bring together as a bridge the material and the mystical right the 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 practical and the uh creative right the these kinds of of intersections uh, allow us to um bridge what are formerly two separate worlds right we think of the material world as very different than the spiritual world and if you can bring them together then you have a lot more fulfillment to me and that's to me what mystic is about and what i'm about is integrating those hats the head and the heart you know (laughs) so anyway i'm glad you felt at home that's yeah. that's
0: intention. Well, I mean, since we're on that topic, what mm-hmm. have you? Because to me, Burning Man's is a huge social experiment, right? Mm-hmm. And there's, there are eighty thousand people, hundreds of camps creating these environments, the uh, whatever it may be, and conscious camps. I like to call them. Is the has the intention or have the intention of creating a transformational experience actually a little bit of a side note when yeah. i posted in the facebook group of thinking organizers i got a little bit of a virtual eye roll when i say hey i want to talk to people who are intentional about creating transformational experiences so i'm curious right from your perspective mm-hmm. one how would you respond to that virtual eye roll of like mm-hmm. oh my god you know transformational camps or conscious camps
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and and also um yeah why don't we start there
1: okay well yeah yeah well well my guest you know there's there's a bit of snarky in in the burning man culture you know i i think foundationally burning man got started from uh, a, a lot of the uh, rebel archetype right Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the people that were, in a way, wanting to burn down the man, right? Mm-hmm.
2: And, and
1: there are a lot of different interpretations of what the man stands for. Um, but one of them is like that that force, that patriarchal force that's telling you where to go and how to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, burning it down is like burning down the structures of your own identity. So mm-hmm. already you've got a Burning Man culture that is grabbing people that are wanting to be counterculture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, so when you put you want when you put something somewhere, um, you're going to get an assortment of responses, including mm-hmm. those people that um, uh, are are wanting to push against uh, anyone mm. uh, who's who's got a particular message or a particular interpretation. So, one is there's that eye roll. Um, I get sad uh, personally by that mm. um, because one of the things that I see Burning Man is all about. Um, at least for me, is uh, a social experiment in conscious community where Mm -hmm. we sort of drop the divisions, you know, of how we would normally walk through the world where we don't make any eye contact. We don't connect to our hearts with the person in the elevator. You know, we don't stop and help someone by the side of the road. We just keep going about our lives. And if anything, Burning Man is about actually creating a conscious, intentional community culture Uh, vis-a-vis us all agreeing to these 10 principles that are the famous Burning Man 10 principles. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, I I think some of us interpret Burning Man as a social experiment in us creating intentional community and living these principles for at least a couple of weeks and seeing if that changes us fundamentally. Other people see Burning Man, I think, as a, A crazy, drug-induced party uh, Mm -hmm. uh, that's designed to help you uh, lower your inhibitions and go wild. And Mm -hmm. so for the faction that sees Burning Man as that drug-induced, crazy, wild party, um, those of us that really hold Burning Man separately, um, uh, you know, those two factions don't always meet eye to eye. Mm -hmm. And I think Um, there is a tendency of people to do a lot of spiritual bypass Mm -hmm. and uh, pretend that they're creating more transformation or more shifts and changes than are really occurring. And so that eye roll is about, I think that um, failure to be real and grounded with oneself about what's really happening. So it makes me sad that we're creating division, but it also is worth looking at because are we, being honest with ourselves about what we're really doing out there and the impacts we're really making. Like, are we willing to be real about that? So I mm. appreciate that. I appreciate the invitation to be as real as possible about it. I would appreciate it more if it wasn't through like a snarky cutting each other down. Cause I don't think that part's needed.
2: Mm.
1: Mm. You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: I do know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the intent behind it. Right. Are mm-hmm. you, are you shining a mirror? Like, Hey, are you actually doing this or are you just, right.
2: Right. right. Like, are you
1: shining a mirror on something in a loving way that you actually care about the person seeing what they might not be seeing? Mm-hmm. Or are you just being snarky to cut someone down without actually connecting and seeing like, oh, what, well, maybe there are camps out there that are actually creating something more than just a party, right? Mm-hmm.
0: And you say you've been burner for is it 13 years you've been a lead for 13 years but i've been, been i've been leading
1: kids a long time i think it's now close to 15 years that i'm mm-hmm. going to the burn mm-hmm. so I've, I've got i've got some years under my belt and i'm still going back
0: <laughs> yeah so for you what's burning man for you because mm. burning man is obviously as you said a social experiment some people yes. they did one and it was enough some people oh. are lifers Like, no, it doesn't matter how hard it is. I'm going back for it more. So for you personally, Mm. what keeps you going back year after year?
1: Oh, that's a gorgeous question. Um, Well, if it were only a party in a desert, that would be the last place I'd want to go to just go and have a good time and be wild. Like I'd want something like a beach and with a lot of amenities. So Burning Man (laughs) for me is, is definitely not just that. I mean, of course I have an incredible time and I have moments of, celebration and fun um but burning man for me began as a fear walk uh into current Mm. so i uh, it was whatever 15 years ago i guess and um i had just gotten out of a a difficult relationship and um you know when you're in a transition like humans don't tend to handle transitions very well right we Mm it's difficult, like it's the white water time when everything, like we, the old identity is giving away and we don't even know who we're gonna be in the next moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I was in one of those moments as I was kind of shaking off the identity of me in this relationship and having a fateful conversation with the burner, with another, a friend of mine. Now I had never been to Burning Man. And he, we, we do these cards, these Osho Zen cards, like these tarot type cards and-
0: Hey everyone, I just wanna take a quick break to ask for your support, as you know, I don't run any ads or sell anything on this podcast. The only way I can continue to bring you inspiring stories and ideas is if you help me spread the word. By rating, reviewing, and sharing this podcast, you can help even more entrepreneurs and leaders to discover, express, and amplify their purpose. You can help them have a better relationship with themselves, trust their intuition, and pursue things that bring them more aliveness in life and in business. It only takes you a few seconds to leave a review, and it means the world to me. But more importantly, it could change someone's life. So if you have a moment, please rate and review this podcast and share with your friends and colleagues. Thanks for your support. Now back to the episode.
1: He's like, why don't you pull a card, um, you know, for some guidance in your life right now, since you're in this major transition. And I pull the courage card mm-hmm. and um, and we have this conversation and he sort of encourages me, he's like, okay, so for one month, I think, I think the best thing you can do is say yes to everything that comes your way for one month and then see what adventures you get in from being mm-hmm. a yes, to everything Mm -hmm. so during that time I got asked hey do you want to go to burning man (laughs) Mm -hmm. and of course I wanted to take this uh courage uh seriously and said yes um and I I, it wasn't the kind of thing I would have normally done on my own Mm -hmm. and because you know burning man for me at the time is like tens of thousands of people that don't care if I live or I die. I didn't Uh have a boyfriend to go with. I didn't have a group of friends to go with, Mm -hmm. but I I decided to say yes. And it felt courageous to me at the time. And I did, and I walk into Burning Man uh, through the gate in one of the worst death storms where they literally cut off the gate the minute our car went through because it was so bad no one could see. Mm -hmm. I'm coming into Burning Man, and my first experience of it was this horrible storm we can't even see our own hands in front of us. We're trying to figure out how to get to camp. Mm-hmm. Um, that felt like a journey in and of itself. I get out to try to build my tent
2: mm-hmm. and
1: I'm in a whiteout. It's full of dust. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going, oh my God, I don't even know where I am. I can barely build a tent. Everything is blowing over. And then I walk into this camp and I don't know a soul and I feel really uh, disconcerted, like I'm not feeling okay. And I mm-hmm. look around for something familiar and can't find it thinking, I don't think I can go through a week of this, like
2: mm-hmm.
1: not knowing what was about to ensue. So I walk to the Esplanade and I make a turn to what I think is the only camp where I thought I knew one person.
2: Mm-hmm. Like, I just
1: need to find somebody that I know to make this feel familiar. Mm-hmm. And so that I can relax and feel like I belong here and that I don't need to run screaming. And I took this walk And um, as luck would have it, as fate would have it, I went the wrong way. Uh I ended up thinking I was walking towards this one camp that I knew somebody, and Uh I ended up walking the wrong way. And so I'm walking, and every step that I'm walking, I'm realizing I'm facing my fear of being alone, why I've had a relationship, one after the other after another, because I'm here kind of like single girl, all like in this big adventure. And every step I was taking, I was starting to feel and face that fear, take a courage walk, literally like a fear walk into that fear. And I was starting to get exhilarated. Mm. I was starting to realize that that fear of aloneness uh, and, and isolation had like made me make choices that I didn't want to take anymore. And every step I took, like into the dust, into the dust storm started to create more and more of the sense of like empowerment and adventure and fun. And then the rest of my burn and the rest of that walk ended up being one massive vignette of adventure and transformation and uh, mind blowing experience after another, after another, after another, as I shed an old fear that had ruled me my whole life. So for me, Burning Man was a courageous fear walk into my own empowerment and self-expression that I forever was like bowing at my knees going, I love this. I wouldn't have gotten this at a regular festival or a concert or Coachella or an event where I'm being kind of handed as a transaction, somebody Mm -hmm. passively entertain me. I had to actively become the adventurer explorer Mm -hmm. and create my experience. So, Burning Man, for me, was that catalyst. And it can be a catalyst for a lot of different things. I'm not saying it's that's everyone's catalyst. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying Burning Man functions as an amplifier and a catalyst, if you let it, to amplify mm-hmm. and catalyze whatever is most up for you. And then the synchronicity of everybody sort of doing that all at once allows for a lot of adventure to happen. So. Wow. That for me is why I go back again and again because of how I left Burning Man irrevocably changed and a different woman. And Mm. I felt connected to my creativity Mm. and wanted to do way more than just show up as a camper. But I actually was like, oh, I need to help.
0: help Yeah, before you're going to transition from being an attendee to being a lead.
1: lead? Yeah, why would I do that, (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So before you go, that's a big jump.
1: Yes. <laughs> I
0: First, let me just say, uh, what a storyteller. Because you transported me back to uh, this year's experience. Oh, I was literally yeah, in a was... sandstorm with you. And, you know, my bike <laughs> broke down. I'm walking oh away. <laughs> I have no idea where I'm at. I didn't have light. And, adversity. Uh, <laughs> adversity, exactly. And, and, and what a symbolism to... Um, how we go through life, especially when facing adversity. And we can change that context, that energetic from woe is me, this is happening to me, oh, fear for my life. You know, mm-hmm. we're safe. You know, it's a pretty safe container. Um, and in the middle of that sandstorm, I look up and then I can use the starlight as a way to yeah. guide where I am. Right. Mm-hmm. So, again, a symbolism for me if I just change my perspective from here, here, right? And versus, and looking up at how I have a greater perspective, all of a sudden spaciousness, all the new possibilities show up. So, so I love that. Thank you for that story. Brought me back to mm-hmm. the burn, mm-hmm. saying thank you. Um, however, so let me push back a little bit. That's sure. one experience. Yes. Some people yeah. may say once is enough.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You mm-hmm. went back fifteen more times, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you
1: know, why would I do that? Right? Why
0: would you oh, I put so yourself in the
1: storm so... and the craziness? Exactly.
0: I can relate because yes. you know I like to put myself intentionally in difficult situations as a way to cultivate mm-hmm. my capability, my capacity, new for new insights. I'm a professional seeker, shall we say? Mm-hmm. So for mm-hmm. you, that one experience opened up the whole world, gave you a new you know, kaleidoscope of possibilities, your change woman, why do you go back 14 more times?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think there's like a deep hunger in all of us and, or at least most of us. And I think there's a hunger for connection and, um, when you go to Burning Man, I sort of hinted at this earlier. It, it's it's a social experiment in, in, a, in a, an intentional community where you, you, you learn very quickly, or at least I did, that as I walked around, everyone made eye contact. Like if I needed something, everyone would stop and I would stop for them. And there was this hunger for community to mean something other than what it meant before then, because it got completely redefined for me. And community before then is like, oh, community service, right? You know, like the thing you have to do if you got in trouble, right? Um, uh, Or the community center, right? This building you never went in. Um, And for me, other than let's say my partner in life and in love, My relationship now to community and the friendships that have come through things like Burning Man has added more richness and depth Mm. and meaning and experience in my life than any other thing. And Burning Man is one of the best places I know if you have a hunger to meet people, to connect Mm. on a level that's beyond just coworker or even you know, dinner party, but to connect at a level of we have to rely on one another. You can't survive Burning Man in that kind of adversity because it is one of the most lifeless, difficult, hot, rough environments by design. And I used to think, why would Mm -hmm. they do this? And now Mm -hmm. the poetry of why there, why is it in a lake bed where nothing lives and it's hot and there's no humidity and the dust is so alkaline. I think it's because of what you said. You have to rely on one another. You have mm. to form communities to make it through the day, to build from scratch a place to mm. live, and a way to drink and a way to eat and a way to survive it and get through it. And that need to, inter- to interact with one another, to form communities because you can't do it by yourself, creates this family like a Mm. chosen family
2: Mm. and
1: and i think we're lonely Mm -hmm. and i think we want that and i think burning man provides that to even those people that don't do it well on their own that can find an instant kind of community of of best friends and i don't know about uh everything count but a lot of the people in ours form lifelong bonds and friendships that Mm. uh because of the kinds and depths of experience that they have in going through this adversity, like bonds them in a way that is really unique. And when you see other people that are burners on the street, there's like this wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We get each other feeling like we're in this same tribe. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is part of what has me going back. The other Mm -hmm. part to me is, um, The beauty of dropping the normal currencies of Mm -hmm. our regular community, which is sort of money, uh, status, power, um, even sex, um, and instead drop all of those status symbols for the only currency that's actually of any value at Burning Man, which is your creativity, Mm. right? It's a gifting economy. And so what is it like? for even a few weeks to drop your normal ways of of currency exchange and instead be asked to bring your radical self-expression through your creativity as a means of trading and creating your experience and everyone else's Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: the, the explosion of new experiences and transformation available when you try that on Mm-hmm. Is to me worth the price of admission a uh, hundredfold?
2: Mm.
0: Oh, beautiful articulation. The first part I hear a lot. The sheer yeah. hardship. Yes. You know, the the need f- to rely on each other to survive together. Mm-hmm. I, I hear that a lot. I mm-hmm. haven't really heard anything that you uh, that you have just said. That yes, we drop away our social constructs. You know, mm-hmm. names, money, power. Mm-hmm. um you know what your resume all these mm-hmm, social mm-hmm. constructs your identity, title your you know titles, all these Nobody ask right
1: what do you do for a living out there you know
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's taboo to ask those things and i love the what you said the only currency is creativity how you express mm-hmm. yourself how you know how you hug each other these are very primal very human things that's that's premium Mm-hmm. Bernie man so mm-hmm. i really love the way you articulate it um well I, there's a lot of directions i can take this conversation let me see let me make some creative uh, choices uh-huh. so, now you so, can be
1: your creative self and say yeah. oh where do we want to go from here so <laughs> let's
0: talk about let's talk about share hardship a little bit mm-hmm. um share hardship let's see <laughs> Let's see. And we
1: definitely uh, had some this year, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's one of the hottest years. We Ugh. had some power outage. And yeah. So as someone who is intentional about creating containers for transformation,
2: mm-hmm, yes. Um,
0: there is a judgment call one need to make about hey, how much convenience to provide. Oh gosh, yes. You know, that and to make their life easier,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: also not so much where. They miss that shared hardship experience altogether. Does that make sense?
1: Oh, oh, lo- there's such a rich territory here. Yes. Yeah. Do you, oh, do you, are, are you? Do you want me to dive into that?
0: Yeah, okay. yeah. So, so yes. how do you how do you with uh, the council, the other co-leads make yeah. that decision? Because that is a hot topic uh, around think camp organizers. Everyone have different opinions of where that line is. So I'm curious to know, okay, maybe I can, let me rephrase the question a bit. What is the, the, the line between a plug and play versus mm. convenience? I think that would be a place where we can start this conversation.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I love that your entry point into this question started with like the transformational um, uh, juice of shared adversity. And mm-hmm. um, so all of us that are in the position of leading and co-creating burning man theme camps are aware of these two principles and they're often a little bit at odds there's there's one principle that's all about like uh uh radical Mm self-reliance right like you better be all the way self-reliant you should show up and be able to do it all on your own is kind of like Mm -hmm. how that that uh value sounds radical self-reliance be able to make it through the event and be responsible, personally responsible, you have the water and the shelter and everything that you need mm-hmm. so that you, can, you don't have to rely on everyone, right? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the principles. Uh, but one of the other principles is, you know, civic responsibility, which is all about coming together and um, participating in a communal experience and mm-hmm. realizing that we want to actually participate together and co-create together. Mm-hmm. Um, in a responsible way that actually helps one another. And I think as, as Think Camp leaders, uh, uh, we're all trying to thread the needle in different ways around how much uh, uh, creating convenience is too much convenience, where we're actually robbing people of the opportunity to actually show up and bring and uh, make make it happen and realize that they aren't a spectator. And then how much is, is, is so much that you, you are robbing them the experience of being able to go out and be creative because they're having to spend every waking minute, just trying to cook for themselves and get their own water and make their own shelter. And, and then therefore like 80% of their burning man is just making it through the day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. And so if those are the extremes, I think every theme camp leader Uh, feels the tension between those two and answers this question of how to thread the needle differently. And um, I think how I approach the conversation is um, I want to create an environment with my fellow council members and co-leads and campers that is optimized for creating the maximum amount of transformation which Mm -hmm. would have to include some self-reliance, some understanding that you aren't a spectator. So you're going to be an active participant in creating this camp. I'm not creating this camp just because I'm the lead. You are, Mm -hmm. we are. Mm -hmm. So I want to remove some of the things that make it difficult to get through the day by activating the people that wanna lead those things where their very participation is, for instance, creating water, central water,
2: yeah. mm-hmm.
1: so that we all don't get dehydrated. Now, what that did, it did two things. It made everyone not have to bring their own water, mm-hmm. so just as an example, so that we don't create this huge trash footprint of plastic bottles everywhere. Mm-hmm. But it also created a active way for that person to say, that's my gift. I'm Mm going to build these amazing showers. I'm going to make this water station. I'm going to arrange to make sure that everybody has water. So they, while it's providing convenience over here, it's creating a transformational leadership experience over there. So both are present. And Mm -hmm. now that person who's not having to create a lot of trash, leaving the world better by creating less trash, gets to say, okay, I've got water handled. Now what am I going to do with that extra time? Mm
2: -hmm. Now I'm
1: going to also bring and bring my leadership in another area of camp. So I see some of the conveniences as providing opportunities for people to give back in an active way. So at Mm -hmm. Mystic, for instance, we've we've divided it up into there's more than 40 different leadership positions that Mm. you can take, right? Doing all manner of things that call you to not be a spectator and also provide just enough so that the campers can also give their gifts. Um, so we draw that line at organizing things that allow us as a society to live better, but that don't put undue pressure on leadership to handle your personal uh, stuff. Like getting you, you have to get yourself to bring Man. You have to get your own ticket. You have to bring your own shelter and arrange for that. Mm. But we're gonna collectively come together and make food together. These Mm -hmm. uh, And we're going to come together and create showers together that we can all use. And we're going to come together and build, you know, all of those kinds of things. So that's how we do the line, because every convenience I'm adding is creating leadership and transformation for somebody or a group of somebodies. Mm -hmm. So that's how we do it. And it isn't easy. And there's a lot of flack that.
0: What does that word mean?
1: Flack, like a lot of snark. That um, no matter where this, I mean, this is the sad news is that no matter where you draw the line as a, as a theme camp organizer, somebody draws the line differently mm-hmm. and is upset with you for drawing it differently. Like some camps don't even collect any dues and they don't do central mm-hmm. water and they don't do central food and mm-hmm. they are angry at those people that do that. Other mm-hmm. people go all the way to, to organizing your entire shelter that you pay for. They get you your own groceries. They do your own food. You don't even have to build it yourself. You mm-hmm. just fly in and uh, you get handed a fairly, fairly concierge experience
2: mm-hmm. and
1: and other people are angry at them for doing that. Um, I think the more useful conversation isn't to be angry at where you draw the line, but just to be open with one another about why you're drawing that line. Are you drawing it intentionally? And are you living in to allowing there to be active participation versus any disengagement or spectation and if those conveniences are allowing for more participation i'm for it and if they're leading to more spectators more spectation i'm probably against it and i think that's a good barometer Mm. not a hard and fast rule but like measure that
0: i love that framework actually you're a master of frameworks so, oh, so, so from one frame,
2: <laughs> from one
0: framework person to another framework person it really ah, like what you just said you. really crystallize
2: yeah.
0: um well the importance of making that more transparent you know whether it's even through conversations or through documents um, or through dialogue between other Tcos and think I'm organizers so that way creates mutual understanding which I know is you're deeply deeply passionate about that yeah. kind of things. So on that note, yeah, how I tend to be a little heavy-handed when it comes to making my communication more explicit. I love mm-hmm. discourse, I love dialogues, I love putting things down on paper. Cause I think when it's Durning. on paper, yeah. then you can look at it and then talk about like what do you mean by this? What do you mean by that? Right. Versus when you just kind of let let things be ambiguous. Like mm-hmm. oh yeah energetically I get you but do you really right so <laughs> so a uh, long way of asking this question how I know Kim Mystic is big on making things explicit if you just go to our yeah. website it's like documents mm-hmm. after documents after documents so yes. how how do you collectively as a leadership make that explicit right mm-hmm. uh, what you said the, the convenience a lot more participation versus spectator optimizing for transformation. These type of mental models to allow for more clear communication. How much of that explicit yeah. communication do you do?
1: As as you know, because you've camped with us, um, we Mystic is probably on on the side of more explicit and and through written, through sponsorship, through a lot of um, different means. We like to take uh, uh, the assumptions and actually get them out and have everyone know, like, what is it? Like, what are the rules of engagement? How do I show up here? What are our values? Right. We have a manifesto, for instance, that our council created together that everyone has to read before they can even register. Right. Mm -hmm. Like this is what it means to come and be a mystic and what our expectations of you are and and really our aspirations of how we want to treat one another and um, that came through learning. Like if I look at the version of me um from 15 years ago or even 12 years ago when I started leading Mystic, um, you know, I had to learn that that was needed. Like I didn't mm-hmm. immediately know that. Uh, because we I think we as humans make a usual error is that we think <laughs> in our hubris that everyone thinks the way we do. Mm-hmm. And then we're surprised when there's misunderstandings. Like no, didn't you know that, like, of course you have to do a shift if you come to Mystic, or of course you want to be nice to one another if you're camping with us. Like, we take it for granted that the way that we think is the way to be is Mm -hmm. the way everyone thinks is the way to be, and how to treat one another, and how to create culture and collaborate. And when you're just an individual walking through life, you don't need that. But when you have to rely on one another and create a community, and -hmm. that community has things like we need to make sure everyone's gets fed and watered and treated well and and all of that you actually i in my book need to um realize that there's enough diversity of thinking that the more intentional and explicit you make it uh the the better it is so that people can either opt in or opt out mm-hmm. of that and uh w- Part of the reason for the manifesto is like we would welcome people opting out and going, oh, got it. I actually want more of a party. I don't want to have to do shifts. I don't want to have to be part of creating all of this. I don't want to have to do because uh, they have a shared meal plan that I have to be in the kitchen. Like we want you to opt out like mm-hmm. it it isn't for everybody. And the more explicit you make it, the more you don't run afoul of people having a bunch of assumptions And then having those assumptions be what creates a lot of tension and resentment and like, well, I thought it was going to be this way. And why isn't it? Same with the other way. Like, hey, I thought I was going to go to Mystic and and, uh, you know, be able to do whatever I want because there's all these conveniences like you want them to know what it means. And you also want the people to know uh, on the other side that are like, well, I thought I had to, to work the whole time and I never got any time to myself. Well, no, actually. Here are the, here are the minimum requirements. Here's all that's required of you. We actually want to support you having fun. And if you don't make that explicit, it's, it, 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 it it creates tension. And that happened at the beginning, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's a learning. And the more documents that you've seen are every time I learned, oh, this wasn't an already known thing. There Mm -hmm. are new people coming all the time that have never even burned together, let alone Mm -hmm. scan with us. And so Mm -hmm assume that they understand what it takes to be out there um you're setting them up to fail Mm -hmm. my book and so i don't want to set people up to fail and um to me the difference between recreation and transformation right Mm. like Mm. what we said at the beginning is 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 burning man just recreation or is it transformation the what makes the difference is the intentionality And when, when you create a space that has an intention to create an experience, and that intention is either explicit or felt, then that has an opportunity to resonate and actually call your shot and create an experience versus just it being a fun time. So I think that that's, that's why I'm as explicit as I am from learning that not being explicit creates a lot of unhappiness and missed expectations and assumptions.
0: So the way I see it is, I'm very much a Taoist. So there is a healthy middle somewhere.
1: Yes. Not too, not much,
0: too much, not too little. There's healthy, right? Goldilocks zone. Oh <laughs> what?
1: The Goldilocks zone. Do you know? Yeah, me? exactly. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yes.
0: The middle so way. Hel- so yeah, exactly. So the healthy middle. So, um, with lots of documentations or communication, what's yeah, more difficult to- is enforcement. Yeah. and also communicate the the nuance and the details um, for example right if you look at our you know um, city codes and things like that you know document 6500.6 here is oh, yeah. you know the, right. Da, 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 right so that's that's all the way in the end the bureaucratic side of things yes. so how do you think about one enforcement right mm-hmm. because when you have a lot of documents more difficult to enforce uh, and two, how do you also not over-document so then you become bureaucratic when funny, you need to you know? <laughs> look look through like three layers of documents? It's like, all right, here is the code, da da da, right? So how do you find I, again find that line of
1: love? I love that you're asking me this question. This question has been really up for us as a council. We just met about this uh, a week ago, as we came together, we, uh, mystic has as a, as a leadership structure, um, you know, like 40 plus team leads, plus a set of governing body called the count the mystic council that are people that have been part of mystic and part of visioning it together for many years. And, um, this topic of enforcement is so big. And I, what I'm about to say is going to maybe ruffle some feathers of some, I think, um, because there are several factions that that in almost any collaborative system tend to arise, right? Culturally speaking, and, and I see these everywhere. And I, I think as I say these, every theme camp organizer is going to relate, and and anyone in a community is going to relate. But there are there's always a faction of people that are like the over demanding faction, and then the under demanding faction, and the over contributing faction and the under contributing faction right
2: Mm.
1: so so what's the difference demanding and contributing yes yes so so the over demanding i i i call this the 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 faction that's fairly entitled right Mm. this is this is like the sparkle like in burning man culture this is like the sparkle pony that's like why aren't you doing everything for me and can't you go and do my shift for me? I don't want to do that. I want to party, you know, like yep. they are entitled mm-hmm. and they are demanding, like, what, like, get me my power right now and stop what you're doing and build me my structure. And why am I not getting my food on time? And, you know, so they're, they're being vocal about their demands. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the over demanding. The under demanding is the very small sect of people that are the leaders in the camp. I, I, I put myself sometimes in this, in this one who um, do a lot and never ask for any help right? They mm-hmm. let everything pile on them. And because they're not saying, hey, I actually need you to do it, then mm-hmm. all, everything trickles down. And then a few people end up doing the majority of the work and burning mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. because they're not actually having a boundary and saying, mm-hmm. I actually need to engage. I actually need to be more enrolling and actually demand more participation. So that's over and under demanding, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: then there's mm-hmm. in the middle, there's under and over contributing, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the demanding is how vocal are you? And then the contributing is like, what are your actions? So the over-contributors are clearly like, these are the ones that like, while everyone is 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 uh, having a good time, they're working way well past, they did not just their required shifts, but they picked up 10 other people's shifts. And, and when you need something, everyone goes to them and they're contributing nonstop. Mm-hmm. And then there's the under-contributors that it's hard to even get them to enforce them to even show up for the very few things that they signed up for. And so they're under-contributing. So I'm gonna get to your answer. I'm just laying out sort of this- Framework, I love this it. This framework again. That's yeah, <laughs> great.
0: Yeah, think about two, two axes. Yeah. Two yeah, axes, I see, Yeah, right? I see that. Uh-huh.
1: So, so we're in a lot of conversation about these factions that are present in any collaborative system. And certainly even at Mystic, even though I think we're really good at it. Like I'm proud of how we do it. And even, even being proud, you're never not going to get some people that under contribute, mm-hmm. right? That didn't do their shifts. Like so, we're getting mm-hmm. to the enforcement thing in a minute, and and you're you're probably never going to get zero people that aren't a little bit demanding on those that have been the under demanding and the over contributing, and then and so what it's creating is resentment
2: mm-hmm.
1: and a desire to exile. And there's a conversation happening where
0: exile as in kick out like, or exile to leave? yeah
1: exile as in um uh the the over-contributor, under-demanding factions are mm-hmm. wanting to exile the under-contributing, over-demanding mm-hmm. people. Like, yep. well, they should just go away and it should just be a community of people that are the builders that are making camp happen and everyone else should go away mm-hmm. because they're not putting in their time. So that's mm-hmm. one perspective. Yep. And why I said what I'm about to say about the enforcement is gonna ruffle feathers because I might be ruffling their feathers. And I am one of those under demanding, over contributing members. Mm -hmm. I put in thousands of hours. I lead 13 of the teams, you know, I lead the build crew as well with some uh, co-leads. So I do, you know, <laughs> a lot for camp. Just as any TCO does. Just,
0: just on, on that note over there. I, yeah. I, I I don't know how you <laughs> sleep. I don't know how you hold. Other... Burning Man
1: season, I don't. That's how the-
0: how <laughs> how you stay married? I don't know how you. Well, we'll talk about have, that. Have jobs outside of I have jobs outside of Burning Man.
1: Cause I, cause I I, of Burning Man so. Right.
0: So I. I the little that I see I'm thinking yeah. to myself how does she do it
1: how do I do it yeah, yeah.
0: even at Burning Man because you're mostly at camp right you're you're holding down the fort. so anyways not to I just want well, sure to make sure you that. know that I saw that,
1: yeah hey Jennifer
0: <laughs> is committed <laughs> thank you for your service yeah I,
1: I if, if there's anyone committed you know there and there, and it's not just me there are there's like a really incredible Incredible, of course. People, of course, that that are like me, that are passionate like me, that of put course. in their blood, sweat, and tears. It's beautiful. But so this may surprise you, um, but um, I think that the reason that it feels good to camp at Mystic, that mm. a lot of people would agree, because I get hundreds of letters every year, people crying about how amazing it feels to camp with us. I think one of the reasons is that we actually leave some room for you as a first-time burner to, to come in and not have to work 24-7 and put in thousands of hours and oops, maybe you did miss a shift. And I think that if you create a culture that's more militaristic,
2: mm-hmm. where
1: uh, the, the every, every day there's a punisher and an enforcer that goes to see and give you demerits, um, I think that that culture, even though a lot of people are calling for it, Like Mm -hmm. there's a faction that want to exile all the people that they think that didn't help build camp Mm -hmm. and get rid of the riffraff. I think Mm -hmm. that that culture over time destroys the magic. Mm. I think that there is a middle way that isn't a draconian militaristic. our, Our camp's values, our first value isn't integrity and accountability and, and, Um, That's appropriate for a military unit that might be appropriate for even a paid business relationship Mm -hmm. where uh, uh, that is the highest value. But at a a camp that is fundamentally about a bunch of volunteers Mm -hmm. coming together with a varied life outside of the playa that may or may not have as much time as some of us have to devote to it. Um, that that we create a culture that actually leaves room for massive contribution and minimum contribution. Mm -hmm. And we welcome those people because what I have seen is if you make it feel good for those people, and they did the minimum, or missed a shift that the very next year, I've seen it hundreds of times, literally, they Mm -hmm. come back and go, wow, I was just getting my my bearings that first year, and now I wanna lead a team. Now I wanna be on build crew. Now I wanna do Exodus. And if you are super militaristic and enforce it to a level that the culture feels punitive, I think the, the the beauty of like mystic being a place and any theme camp being a place where you can actually be more liberated and free starts to melt away. So I am very sophisticated and careful in my the way I like to lead to allow for some room for that, where exile is not the option. Mm. As as what what I see when people don't do their shifts or don't show up and participate, it's a failure at the leadership level. Mm. It's not a failure at that faction for being faulty or lacking character. Mm. I think we always, always need to look at ourselves and look at our leadership. So if people didn't participate, it's my failure as the leader. And mm. it's that team leads failure as the team leader to inspire them fully enough. Mm. So let's mm. not be blaming and pointing fingers at them for not being inspired, but let's continue to learn the artistry of great leadership and have the amount of participation be our barometer for how well we're doing at inspiring each other. And I know mm. that i, I i'm'm I'm, I'm wondering if anyone at our camp's going to watch this, and I'm going to wonder if this creates a, a a debate, and I welcome that debate. Um, But I don't want a draconian um, militaristic culture. I want one that allows us to be fallible and allows Mm -hmm. us to look at where we inspired or didn't inspire one another and doesn't move so quickly to exile those that don't.
0: I I appreciate this conversation. I have a a gentle pushback.
1: Please push back because there's a lot of uh, places to push on this one. So it's not was, so black and white, by the way. It's No, of
0: course not. Of course not. I mean. It's
1: nuanced. <laughs> noble
0: warrior is all about nuance. If you yes. know me enough, like I'm about yeah. nuance. And because I believe it, truth is found in the polarity yes. of the yin and the yang, right? Yes. The, the ups and the downs. Very, very few things in life. I almost never is very clear like, oh, it's black or it's white. Mm-hmm. It's everything is shades of gray. And hence why conversations yes. like noble warrior happens.
1: Yes. Yes. So. Yes. <laughs> so
0: so since you're into women's work men's work i'll yeah. use it as a masculine ma- uh, feminine energetic you know, discussion uh what the militaristic is you know m- very very hard lines masculine feminine punitive and all those things
2: mm-hmm.
0: but i but I, for me it's the nuance of is it punitive or is it call forth for yeah. them to like
1: rise right to
0: rise right yeah. So 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 yeah. to me uh, I love that you're giving grace to and spaciousness for them to miss a shift or, or to and be okay with it. That's one. But two, I think in terms of, because I'm part of men's work, we talk about fathering a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. Fathering
0: a lot isn't to co-sign someone's bullshit for the lack of better words. Yeah. It's, it's like, hey, you promised you'd do this. You didn't do this. What are you going to do? This is yeah. not punitive. This is just pointing out, the agreement that we have on, and then give them an opportunity to to either make it up or you know to to rise above you know what they say to to yeah.
1: their agreement. Love, so. I love that you're pushing back here because this this is this is the conversation. This this is a conversation worth having because you know um, if if we create a culture that just allows everyone to not make good on what they signed up for, that I mean the the entire system degrades and falls in on itself. Mm-hmm right mm-hmm. and then the people that are the over contributors and the mm-hmm. under demanders that don't speak up like mm-hmm. they burn out
0: and That's they leave and you don't want leave. that either yeah
1: and then they they're like i can't do this again this drained mm-hmm. me this didn't fill mm-hmm. me this year this drained me this year and that does happen and mm-hmm. everyone's had those moments like if you've ever been part of building a theme camp you definitely will you know it will push you to that edge and to me so i love that you're bringing this so how I hold it is um, it's not okay with me in the sense that I'm a, I'm rooting for the people to not show up to their shifts, mm-hmm. not to participate fully in what it means to co-create something that is all, fundamentally, there's no spectators, right? Everyone is expected to do something at Burning Man. It's part of why it's so different. Um, but how we meet that, is what I'm talking about. So we could meet that person and go right at them and go, okay, do you acknowledge your broken commitment? And we're not gonna invite you back to camp unless you fix it, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's one way to meet it, mm-hmm. right? Another way to meet it is with curiosity, like, hey, how, how did it go?
2: Mm.
1: Um, what was going on for you? Like, it's a few times that that's happened. I found out like one person got like, deathly ill or got Mm -hmm. caught in a storm and was on the other side of the planet. Like sometimes what you find with curiosity as your opener Mm. is that something very understandable is at the core. And Mm. sometimes you find that it was just, they didn't feel like it Mm -hmm. and they were doing something else and could have organized their life in a more responsible way. But they're like, oh, but I wanted to go to this talk and I just wasn't back in time. You know, like you get, you get the gamut, right?
2: Mm-hmm, so
1: yeah. in that moment, you meet it with curiosity because mm-hmm. that's good leadership, right? Open curiosity, right? Mm-hmm. Not I'm going to assume that you're a bad person. That's right. And then you meet it again with in that moment, can you lead in such a way that they'd be inspired to want mm-hmm. to do something about it rather than you saying, well, you have to fix this. Right. Could I say something in a way that would have them go, you know, I actually really want to give some of my gifts and it's my, it would be my joy to do this shift. And if I can interact with them in a way that would have them be excited mm. about them making good on it so that it's their idea
2: mm-hmm. and that
1: they feel like it's the one of the best parts of going to Burning Man, not the obligation that mm-hmm. it is then I would much rather have that person serving you your meal, who's inspired to be there pouring mm-hmm. love in every carrot that they graded. Mm-hmm. And then you're eating this meal and you're crying and you don't know why. Then the person that did the shift because they were obligated and told punitively that the camp lead came is going to kick their butt and kick them out of camp if they didn't <laughs> cause mm. it makes uh, an ineffable mystical difference that mm. every hammer, every zip tie, every carrot graded was done from a place of, of like love and gratitude and inspiration and giving gifts rather than obligation and requirement mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, a, a desire not to be punished, right? That's right. Just yeah. feel the difference between a camp made from everyone being inspired by love to give their gifts in all the various 40 team ways that they could give their gifts and the, and the, and the ones that were in fundamentally in a culture that was more about their, them feeling their obligation. And I'll tell you nine out of 10 times, you're going to prefer the other. And it means that sometimes we're not using fear and punishment as a tool to create. Mm -hmm. We're using love and inspiration instead, which means that we won't ever have a hundred percent. Like yeah. Mystic will never have a hundred percent of people showing up for every shift, doing everything they said. I, 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 it, not as long as I'm the lead, I don't think that'll happen. And yeah. I'm okay. And I'm okay with that. So long as the people that are doing it are coming from love and inspiration and that the few, the, the shifts that are happening here and there, we minimize that as much as possible. But, um, we know that the people doing them are, are, are doing it cause they love it and they want to, and yeah. I'm willing to have a lower efficiency for a better culture uh, i'm willing to make that trade-off as a lead
0: yeah And no, other
1: people are not yeah
0: i i love this conversation uh let's see it's very nuanced um it
1: is it, it's, it's yeah you gotta you guys gotta tread tread carefully on this one
0: <laughs> yeah i mean you don't know this but not you be,
1: but us as a understand talk about it yeah <laughs> generic
0: you I, I get it um yeah. uh uh, so I, I used to be a, the chief cultural officer for a startup of 250 oh. people and now it's 500 people and so forth. I'm not, no longer with that company, but back then. So this whole conversation about codifying core values, operationalize it, and, 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 then, and then curating uh, ultimately a, a morale, a, a energetic, you know, how do you feel when you walk into a room? It's uh, it's quite challenging because people don't always have the skills of enrollment yeah. or of leadership.
1: It's of, true.
0: Of and, it's and true. so, so I'm curious from your because Mystic right now is how many this year? Uh, we
1: were 233.
0: 233. In, yes.
1: In camp, and then we had a like a little um, annex area of people not within our plot that also like participated near us. Right, another 50 or 60. I don't even know how many people. Right. Were so yeah.
0: so. As a small company of yeah. volunteers, and yeah. forty different leaders and accountabilities, you know there's there's a budget, there's a timetable, and there are infrastructure one want to build. There's deadlines, all these things. So, it is
1: it is running a company. It's creating a small town. Mm-hmm. It's like it's not even just a company. It's like okay, you got to build roads and water mm-hmm. and power and money exchange mm-hmm. and budget. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's full on. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yep. and plus you have also people flowing through the town thousands yep. of people flowing yep. through the town visitors I don't know how many
1: and the visitors yep yeah. exactly so so, <laughs> that's so the town would have.
0: <laughs> exactly so 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 that a place to come from a way of being that context of love and joy and service yes. versus guilt and shame guilt, and shame, obligation. obligation it's 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 very palpable when i walk into mystic yeah um it's tilting to this way of love and joy and service and then i palpably will feel it uh, during the, the food that i eat it's very mm-hmm. obvious to me yeah you know, I, I tell the joy our our our, our lead there i I eat better (laughs) a mystic than
2: anywhere
1: yeah
0: yeah and then then i cook for myself and and anywhere so because because of that 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 energy so
1: and everyone in the kitchen is like laughing and singing because all this shifts in there and it's amazing it's like you walk in and they're like almost in tears of joy handing you your plate
0: that's right that's right
1: i mean how do you
0: beat that? <laughs> it's it's a beautiful experience. It's so beautiful experience, super yeah. long way of asking you this question. Right? So sure. as one of the camp leads and part of the council overlooking everything, yeah. the source of the energy basically, mm-hmm. the way of being, basically. Mm-hmm. How do you ensure that the 40 leaders yeah. come from that place of love, joy, service, right? The vibration, the positive vibration versus the the guilt the shame the
1: mm-hmm.
0: the obligations like and the resentment be, and the and right, and violating right. own
1: boundaries and all that's that
0: That's right stuff. that's all yeah. that stuff right so yeah, how, do you do that? how do you how do you source that
1: Yeah Yeah I I think I'm I'm still learning it would be the most honest answer um and some of the things I have already learned let's say <laughs> about it are um well first first of all something very simple which is I think me and others in, in these positions do our best to make it really clear. What I notice is that people are often really well-meaning like they want to give, like they, like people are, are naturally like when, when they're feeling good about themselves and love and safety and belonging is presence, they actually, we, we as humans want to give when we feel love safety and belonging mm-hmm. more naturally. And if, you are unclear and you don't know how to do that, it'll taper like you'll, you'll walk away wanting to give and go, Oh, I don't really know what to do or how to do it. So I'm going to go somewhere else. So one, Mm -hmm. one is, is the leadership has to be crystal clear, which when you mentioned Mystic has all these documents (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm.
1: that was learned for me, that if I could create something that would translate with a lot of clarity, what it is to what it means to lead and how to do it, That uh, you, the response is not just to give you a bunch of words to get clear, but it's to give you the feeling as a lead Mm -hmm. that I can do this. Mm. And so you create clarity from over here so that the experience over there to the one that's, that's going to take on a position goes, I can do this. I know how to do this. I'm clear about it. I can do it. So that's the first piece is you make it really clear Mm. on how to do it. And what do, what does it mean to do a good job? What does that look like? What does that feel like? The second is, is that I, in every communication and in, in dozens of interactions reinforce subtly and not so subtly the culture. And, um, I will say if you've ever been on build crew with me, um, you've probably heard me say more than once throughout the build, um, I'd rather you take care of yourself and then to build, cause I want you to build it with joy. I want you to build it.
2: With mm. good,
1: and I want you to build it from a space of having extra energy to give. And I'd rather you take a break than build from that place. So I'm embodying in that moment, uh, a desire for you to come from that place of mm-hmm. giving from surplus, giving from your joy. And, and I do a lot to check in and I have a, we have a whole team whose only design on the build, for instance, is to check in with everybody and make sure they're happy, hydrated, fed, that they get breaks, that they're showing up. And that their only job is to make sure that you're in the state that, that would be the, pri- the, the optimal state to be building something together and collaborating together. And so we have a whole team involved that's literally just looking at how is it feeling at camp? And how can I maximize and optimize for how it's feeling, so that the culture of how people are giving is feeling good to everyone? So that team is absolutely critical.
0: By the way, real quick, and in Russian interruption.
1: Oh, please. That
0: is whoever came up with that idea. (laughs) Brilliant, because I would say Built Week is hard. Oh, sun. Yeah. Manual labor. You know, whatever is going on in your life, you're reminded of everything's amplified. But having that team coming and feed you things, I've never experienced that to that extent before.
2: Yeah.
0: Literally being fed like frozen grapes and like here is some smoothie, like making yeah, these, every, every fan hour. and being massaged, like all those little things. It's it's tiny to think about it afterwards. But in that moment, is so meaningful. It's, it's definitely uh, an anchoring uh, memory for me.
1: Yeah, and it's a, it's a physical translation of of a belief that you have to take care of people mm. as a, as as a primary role. Mm-hmm. You have to like as a culture, as a chief culture officer, you get this probably at a very deep level, given your experience, like. The environment that you're creating for people to give their gifts to do their work in your organizations, if if you aren't creating an environment that has them thriving, then it should be full stop. And and, and let's pay attention to that. Because if you're draining the people that are that are there to be the contributors, that is so unsustainable. And so many theme camps have come and gone mm-hmm. because of that. Like we, we, it is not by accident that we have a 20 year history because i can't tell you how many camp leads i've that have come and gone that, that have told me the same story and the same story is basically this story well we wanted to build we started building but a few of us were doing all of the work we just got tired of it we got resentful it was too much and we just didn't want to do it again and that's mm-hmm. the story of almost every gra- the graveyard of all the theme camps that have come and gone there's a lot of them with that story not everyone But a lot of them with that story and the way that you make sure that you're not one of those stories is to take really good care of the people and pay as much attention to the out how it feels as as it is the outcome, right, the output of everybody, right. Mm. Well, I, I had to learn this the young version of me didn't get it and started to get it early on and then started to pay as much attention to how it feels as to what we're doing, and to put things in place to make that make that clear.
0: Actually, on that note, another thing that's top of mind. My mm-hmm. uh, my my buddy D- Dylan and I we had a discussion about this afterwards. Mm-hmm. He said he went to another camp before, mm-hmm. and and it was a huge contrast between Mystic and this other camp.
1: Uh-huh.
0: How they enroll, how they call forth volunteers for the strike team.
1: Oh oh yeah, let tell
0: me and then <laughs> and, 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 and then uh, Christopher how he all yeah. you know, forth is this if you have a transformation that you want, you know, being on strike is the thing that's gonna finalize, you know, it's gonna amplify your transformation just like yeah. he's excited about strike. strike. Yeah he was yeah. excited about strike versus this other campus strike is hard, you know, we need every person. Both are correct, but just the energy and the excitement.
1: What are you focusing people on? Are you focusing Mm -hmm. people on the trudge and the difficulty and the, okay, guys, we got to do this now. It's going to be hard, but we got to make it through right? That's one way. Mm -hmm. And all of that is accurate. It is hard. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to make it through. You're in the heat of the sun. It's not as fun to take it down as it was to put it up because you're, you're, you're not creating the magic. You're like dissolving the magic,
2: right?
1: Mm (laughs) So, um, but even that can be through great leadership. Mm -hmm. This is why it's about the leadership. It's not about people that are, that have a a bad character that you, that Mm -hmm. the that some people, some factions think that the reason people aren't striking is that they have bad character. It's, it's to me, it's like, can you inspire someone such that that's the most uh, fun thing? That's the only place they'd want to be. Like mm-hmm. they want to show up. They want to be part of the family. They want to have belonging with the crew. They want to know that they uh, were an integral part to creating something that was great for other people. And, and that's part of the process. And. Um, I've had people come up to me and tell me that the strike was their favorite part, like cr- like crying in tears.
0: I love built. I love strike. Let me just make that super clear. Yeah, not like,
1: everyone does. And it's okay yeah. if you don't. You know, <laughs> strike, I like, okay. Build, I love.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, real quick recap of some of the key lessons that you would tell young Jennifer.
1: Mm, yes. She,
0: the aspirational thinking organizers. Uh, be really clear about instruction, be really clear about the context, the energy that you wanted to, uh, to bring. Mm-hmm. Um, what else did I, did we write oh, down? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, I can, I can say more too. Um, sure. well, y- we, we talked about, um, take care of your people, like make, mm-hmm. make, make taking care of the environment that people are contributing inside of, um, of nourishing and inspiring. Like, not just that you tell them to do what what they need to do, but make the environment that they're in uh, good, which is what any culture is all about. Um, So, oh, are you asking, is there more advice? I mean, is there more advice I'd give uh, give that young version of me that I could whisper in? in Yeah,
0: some concrete, you know, hey, here's knowing what I know today. Here's what I'll tell you. Be really clear about your instructions to... uh, focus on the energy you bring, perhaps operationalize it with a team of people whose only job is to uplift yes. and observe That's the energy. To uplift
1: energy. the culture, yeah. To yeah. The culture. So so those are two
0: very explicit, beautiful yes. nuggets. Mm-hmm. What else would you say to younger Jennifer or the aspirational? Yeah, yeah, it's,
1: it's, it's, the, it's the one we talked about at the beginning. So I just, I want to reiterate that one mm-hmm. uh, just about um, don't assume that people... Uh, Uh, think and feel the way that you do, Um, the more, like you said, the making things explicit, um, I would have whispered in her ear or any young TCO's ear um, to make that explicit. And the way to make it explicit, there's there's a lesson here to me. One way we could have made it explicit is to sit on high as our council and decide what we think the right culture is. And put it on a nice, you know, placard or, or whatever and post it somewhere and post it and have people read it, which is a lot of how corporations sit back and do culture
2: mm-hmm. is they, yep.
1: they prescribe culture, mm-hmm. kind of like a doctor would prescribe the culture.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What we did instead, that feels like nuanced, but important is we observed what was mm-hmm. already happening. hmm and observed the values that felt like were the unifying values that brought us together that were on display in the moments that were most significant and perfect and precious to us Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: that difference like to me categorically feels different when I can tell when I'm in a company and they tell me there because I do that work also where Mm -hmm. they they tell me like what their their values are that are written on a piece of paper. I can tell the difference between a company that did that outside of being inside the culture and just saying, this is what I think we would want it to be versus Mm -hmm. the ones that are naming what's actually, what's unique about their culture. And so that to me is important is that you lead from what is happening. That's highlighting the moments that are uh, the most meaningful to everyone inside the culture, rather than prescribing something separate from the culture. So that's- Real quick,
0: double, double click on that since you were talking about it and we'll come yeah. back to it, more lessons. But you join after Mystic has already been formed. So mm-hmm. I think there's culture that's already existing. Yes. And and what if you have TCOs, uh, I think organizers who are brand new, right? Who are birthing an idea. They have a group of friends yeah. who want to birth an idea. They don't yet have a quote unquote culture yet.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what would I tell them in how to sort of start to form mm-hmm. the cultures um, mm-hmm. that they want to want to design from scratch? Mm-hmm. Um, so I would probably have them look at um, what. I mean, if, if I could, I'd have them interview people like us uh, that <laughs> meaning um, mm-hmm. go to some of the favorite camps and have a conversation with some of those camp leads mm-hmm. and ask them uh, and feel their culture for, for one, feel it for yourself and, and start to notice what felt good to you mm. and, and what they were doing that felt good to you and start to put together, oh, this, when I'm in this camp, this part was what felt good. Like you called out how Christopher Life did. He's one of our leads of strike. You called out how he held strike as being something that you liked. And Mm -hmm. then, and then I would have them explore, well, what value is he standing for that is on display? Is it creating this moment that you liked and Mm. can, and and let's see if we can create a few of those things that would create that emergent property. So So, that's,
0: let me, let me just double click on that. Uh, For those of you who are watching, who wants to one day have your own uh, camp, what Jennifer just gave you is Jim, make, do that thing.
1: Yeah. Continue and I, I'm one of those that I love. I've mentored lots of camps both mm-hmm. both formally and informally, like mm-hmm. through Burning Man's newer program, but I've also been doing it for years. Like, mm-hmm. you want to ask me about that? I, I'd happily have a, have a dozen conversations with people wanting to do that. Like, I, that's real for me. Like, I would really do that.
0: <laughs> All right. Amazing. Thank you, Jennifer. Yes. Uh, continuous uh,
1: service. And, and a lot of people would. And, and, and posting on the Facebook group, I'm going to mm-hmm. start a theme camp. Mm. i want to know what aspects of culture uh you know created a camp that is thriving Mm. and asking the tcos to also give you a sense of what are those pieces not not what they think is their favorite values mystics values are not my highest values Mm. they as as one of the leads they're probably not anyone on our council they were what we saw created Mm. um a culture that felt most transformational and sustainable. So I think you got to do that. And you got to ask yourself, what, how do you want it to feel? How do you want your camp to feel? Mm-hmm. Like what are the top three things you want people to experience and feel at your camp? And then the values that would encourage people to bring that. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's important fundamentally. So I, as a new TCR, I'd start with that. Do I want my camp to feel like, uh, uh fun and playful? Do I want my camp to feel serious and and reverend? Do I want my camp to feel transformational and motivational? Like all of these are very different energies. And so your values that create those energies can come from the experience that you're trying to create for the people Mm. that are arriving. So Mm. you got to get clear on what is the experience you want to create and how do you want it to feel? Then the Mm. values should be from that, not just your favorites.
2: Mm. Mm.
0: I love that. These are all very, very tactical. So let me just recap real quick. Okay? Yeah, my style? Yeah, sure. How do you want your camp to feel? If you don't know it yet, go to different camps to notice what feels good about you, uh, about the camps and then interview the, the camp leads so they can have a deeper understanding of how they bring forth whatever that the thing that you feel but don't quite articulate or can't quite articulate it yet.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And one thing that you said in passing is Mystic optimizes for transformation.
1: We do. That's sure. we want. We want you to feel belonged, and we want you to. That's what we're optimizing for: is transformation.
0: Yeah. Right, and then and then start to operationalize whatever that looks like. To yeah. put, let's say, the team that makes you feel good, because that's one of the core values. And then right. and then also, as Kim, please be very clear about your instructions. Well, yes, be, be explicit about what you stand for, and then after that, be clear about your instruction. These are yes. some of the main things that I heard so far. Yeah?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Th- those are those are good ones so far. Um and uh y- you want uh, the- we want to add to this conversation something about curation. Mm. Um because uh I think it's important um that you curate uh especially at the leadership level because ultimately Ultimately, no matter what you write as your values, no matter what you even are trying, because it's all an experiment and and you're going to experiment and treat it like that, because sometimes you'll you'll go for a value and it won't translate. Um, So the importance is that you're experimenting. But um, if you draw to you the kind of people that um, you have curated that in their own lives are creating those experiences and creating ways of collaborating that feel good to you, then when you guys come together and try to create a camp, you're going to recreate what the leadership um, naturally does naturally, right? Cultures are created from the actual people in it, what they're doing naturally. So if Mm. you curate and are careful about who you bring into that, because um, it's very easy to just bring in the crotchety guy that has a bad attitude but is really good at running power
2: mm-hmm. uh, yeah. um,
1: and 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 to undervalue the perturbations in the field that get created every time he's crotchety and angry with people mm-hmm. and then think well, but we have to put up with him because um, he know, he's the only one that knows right And so you make those kind of decisions and you erode the culture for the skill. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: I'm saying that as as, as an early TCO, it's super important because the skills can be learned and the knowledge can be shared. Super important that at least at the leadership level that you're curating people who know how to create a positive collaborative experience and work with them as a foundation. Mm. That's important.
0: I mean, just double click on that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Similar in companies, right? There's a side-by-side comparison company. There's a huge ambition. There's a deadline. Just got funding. You Want to build this thing. You know, Burning Man is coming. There's a deadline. You know, we have a certain scope that we want to build this dream, this vision, want to manifest and bring to fruition. And then we have certain access to certain talent pool Mm -hmm. with skills, but not necessarily the The energetics or the or the interpersonal skills to to uh to operate at a high level when time is pressed what do we do? Do we hire this person do we keep this person or do we continue to you know search f- for the person with skill sets and the uh, the proper uh persona and the skill level that yeah, that is the side by side.
1: It's a conundrum and, and it's not always easy. It's like sometimes it's like, oh, well, we don't have anyone available with both. You know, and so what do we do? I, there's, there's resiliency that develops over time. So as a 20-year history camp, we have some resiliency to have a few of those. Like, like let's, let's, let's just say, like, we could have somebody who's kind of crotchety and not quite with the culture because there's enough of us holding a pristine field
2: mm-hmm.
1: that it doesn't crumble. So it's not that you can never, you never have to make a compromise sometimes, because um, that does sometimes happen. But but what I'm saying is at a leadership level, at the visionary level, who's holding the core vision for what the camp is, that that needs to be as pristine a field mm. as possible. Our council, like we have a variety of diversity of every year, different leaders, and we have no idea what we're going to get every year, right? Mm Because it's different every year, but our council, it's, it's absolutely at the council level. Everyone is in there because of the attitude and their alignment with the values and that they create a pristine working environment, collaborative environment, or else they don't really belong on the council. They could still be in mystic. They could still be a lead. They could still contribute, but I, am a big believer in that at that level, it needs to be pristine. Mm, I love it. And that if it, if you have conflict, you need to nip it in the bud and immediately rather than letting it fester.
0: Right? So on that note, yeah, it's not burning man when there's no, there's, yes. there's not going to be transformation. It's not, not going to be transformation if there's no friction, conflicts, adversity. Right. Yeah. So what are some of the key lessons that you learn or the key skills rather from mm-hmm. having these type of, you know, inter camp or inner camp conflicts, Like friction. Yeah. Friction yeah. and how, and, and what skill did, what insight did you learn? What skill did you have to really navigate that space?
1: Yeah. And again, just humbly still learning also. And what I have learned so far, and there's more to learn, um, is the skill of holding multiple perspectives at once is critical, meaning, um, what's, what tends to go on when there's friction is one person on one side has been sort of conscripted by a particular value that they hold more dear. And then if there's tension, then there's like a polarity of somebody holding the opposite side. And that Uh, and that value feels more dear to them. And then those two battles, those two uh, values who have conscripted us as humans to play the war are battling it out for who gets to win and which way we go. So like, for instance, um, I, I spoke about like integrity Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and, um, and I'll say harmony, Mm -hmm. right? So uh, harmony allows us to like, make it okay if they didn't, you know, do all of their shifts in integrity. It was like, no, 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 we need to make sure that people are integrous. And if you're holding both of those values, they can feel in opposition. Like how do we be harmonious while still making sure that people make good on their commitments, right? And those can feel at odds. Yeah. So one skill that you learn to me is in, in leadership is, um, you listen for what those values are underneath the complaints, mm that are happening that are creating the shadows of it where integrity is sounding like judgment and harshness and exile and they need to go and punitive and harmony is sounding like collapsing and uh, letting it slide and letting everything devolve and allowing people to overtax people. And so you're seeing the shadows of both of them. And to me, uh, what happens is the, the integrity side is seeing the, the light of its, of its uh, side, and and comparing it to the shadow of the other side, and then harmony is comparing the light of its side, but the shadow of the integrity. And so you're not comparing apples to apples, and therefore integrity is like, well, there's we don't want everybody sliding, and and mm-hmm. everyone being resentful, and everyone burning out. That's what you're saying you want. And the harmony people are like, well, we don't want something draconian where everybody feels punished and everyone's doing out of obligation, and so there's no ha- there's no con there's no conversation happening. Because Mm -hmm. we're not comparing the light and shadow Mm -hmm. of both perspectives as equally valid and part of it. And so to me, what I learned as a leader was to hold all four of those things at once. Like, look, oh, what I'm saying has a shadow and I'm minimizing my shadow and failing to see your light. And you're minimizing your shadow and failing to see my light. Let's actually see it fully, the shadow and light of both these values that are bowing it out to make this decision and get on the team of how do we together maximize the light of both values and minimize the shadow? How do we team up and do that? And to me, that's what's happening. And it was a ton of bricks moment when I realized that dynamic, that when we're in tension and conflict, we are comparing our light to the other person's shadow. And mm. therefore we're never, we're failing to see the beauty and the wisdom that they're actually standing for because we're only looking at where they're coming from their shadow. And they may be coming from their shadow. So we have a reason we're doing that, but we're not actually seeing the full picture because everyone who's fighting for any tension is usually fighting for a value that if you went underneath the complaint and underneath the conflict is a value that we actually want a camp that's full of integrity. We want a camp that's full of harmony. We don't want to sacrifice those things. Actually, Mm. we actually do want both. That is the yin and the yang where they both come together we don't want like only the one or the other. so let's see how do we have to collaborate so that both are present And that is a, like a learned experience is to learn so it's a learned skill to do that to hold both perspectives with more complexity rather than discounting the person who's coming from their shadow because it's shadowy. It's like oh that what is the hidden value they're actually standing for as the shadow is what's coming out to the front and what am I where am I doing the same thing?
0: So thank you for this again as yeah. a Taoist, practitioner i appreciate yes how you yes look at the different polarities and then and and then drill into the different values this is, this yeah. is really a conflict of two values how do you then bring uh, and co-create the equilibrium the harmony in in different perspectives
1: exactly exactly and you can take any two polarities that are at war and conscripting us in it and find your way out by looking underneath the shadow and seeing the values that are being stood for and acknowledge those and, and try to incorporate those as each giving rise to the other. Right. So more integrity, the more harmony, the more harmony, the more integrity, they actually will feed each other. It's only at the shadow level that they're in opposition.
0: mm, I love that, um, man time flew by. So I know, right. But, 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 but I'd still have many questions uh, that I'd love to geek out with you, Jennifer. So I want to be cognizant. So I need to make some creative choices here. You,
1: you get to choose which way we yeah, go. Yeah. The last little piece here. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm available, so... but I, I also know that people uh, have a limited attention span. So <laughs> uh,
0: no, I think anyways, I will, I'll ask my question. So, so inside of this one thing that we actually haven't talked about that brings, well, actually, so, okay. People may say, man, Jennifer has all the answers. You know, she <laughs> has all these frameworks. She knows how to navigate. She knows how to have the skills of perspectiving and, you know, holding space, you know. And and, and I would say to them, of course, she's been doing this for 15 years and she's very cognizant of her, uh, yeah. her own growth and development. Yeah. But... At the same time, she's also human. So, what are yeah. some of the human heartbreaks human. or the challenges that you had to overcome to earn these skills, these lessons? the yeah. wisdom, the lessons? Yeah. So, what are some of the things that 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 you could share that you're willing to share to some of the TCOs, so that way they can say, "Oh, okay, so you know, she's human, and I'm not alone. I can learn to be like her, and that's my journey."
1: Yeah, yeah. I so it it's been a journey for me to integrate what what I'll I'll call um more of the feminine side of my leadership. And um don't get don't get caught up on that label. Um I'll I'll say more about what I mean. Um the there was a version of Jennifer in wanting to make it in what felt like the a man's world uh, who focused more on output and outcome and let's get it done and let's push than I did on how it felt to do it. Like uh, there was a version of me that that wanted to be respected and didn't care if I was liked, right? And so that version of me in my 20s that was in the biotech sector trying to, I was like one of the few women in that sector it felt like, And um, I wanted to be seen as someone who could really kick ass and make things happen. And I was proud of that, but I had marginalized the parts of me that cared actually about my own feelings. Like how did it feel to me and how did it feel to everybody else? And was I creating an environment and a culture that had people feel great about themselves versus feeling, you know, only good if they achieved something, right? Because we get, We get rewarded in our culture for achievement right and then and then we mistake achievement as that which which uh gives us our meaning and our self-esteem and when we do that um we 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 diminish like the beauty of our very presence as a gift in and of itself and and the long-term benefit of a thriving relationship and so i had to integrate that i I started out a little bit more like, okay, let's go, let's go, let's get it done. Come on, push harder. Because I was a strong and resilient woman. I could work eight, 10, 12 hours at a time. You know, I could put in, put in all of the effort and it wasn't hard on me. And so I wanted it to not be hard on anyone and wanted everyone to push like I was pushing. And I had to learn that that might give you a short-term gain, but erodes your long-term gain. Mm was one one of the lessons um and um I think another really important lesson is um it's so easy especially if you identify as thinking that you're smart (laughs) you've got all this hubris or arrogance or whatever you think you're smart um to think that the way that you you come up with to do it is the right way and that other people's ways if they differ from the way that you would do it are not as good like that's, oh, that's just clearly not as good as the way I'm thinking of it, right? And, you know, I'm a smart rat, and so I, I could convince myself that I had a better way of doing a lot of the things at, uh, at a camp or in an organization. And I had to learn through wisdom and humility uh, that... Um, my way isn't the only way of doing it. Even if it's optimizing for a set of values that are the ones I have in mind, it might not be optimizing for things that they are optimizing for. And it might be failing to see, just we said, like that there's a shadow to doing it that way. And so you have to sort of learn if you're going to lead something that leaves room, that isn't a command and control, but leaves room for other people to bring their brilliance, that in order to create an environment where people are actually bringing themselves and their brilliance and their creativity, You have to leave room for that your way of doing it isn't the only way. And that even if you think it's sacrificing something really important, that's hard, you actually have to let go as a leader. You have to let go of the reins of control to be a great leader. To be a great leader is not to seek power, but to empower those around Mm. you, right? Mm. So a great leader is not seeking power, but is seeking to empower those around. And so I had to learn to let go of what I thought was going to be the better way to save us time and energy and money and resources and to allow other people to have different ways of going about it uh, because them being more invested and more creative and more engaged is more important than the 5% of more effective, you know, effectiveness or output than, than, me, and than what I'm, and what I'm failing to lose is their sense of feeling like believed in, and confident, and all of that. So I started to realize the unintended consequences of those things. Were
2: so there
0: a t- Were there a time where you thought to yourself, "All right, this is it. I'm no longer coming back."
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Like that. This is it. Like, th- this is a defining moment. Yeah.
1: I uh, I have definitely had that feeling, like, um, because I've done it so many years. Like I've co-led um uh, mystic for you know 10 or 12 it depends we we maybe not can't count the two renegade years but for a long time nonetheless and um part of the reason that i feel that is that i fundamentally want the vision for what mystic is to continue to evolve mm. and if if it's standing still and stagnant just doing the same thing again just to do the same thing again because i'm i like to always be changing and growing and evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, I I start to question coming back when I feel like Mystic's vision isn't evolving to something mm. that is bringing something that's more needed. And mm. so that's when I question. It's less about like, it's too much work. Like you might think I question it because how hard it is, because it is. Mm. <laughs> And it's crazy to try to make your life work and, miss, and, and Burning Man theme camp work at the same time because it's a whole full-time job that you latch on to your already full-time life. Yeah. But it's, it's usually that. And then the second reason I, I, I don't quit uh, is also that I want to, it to have a legacy that can outlive me. And so mm. every year I try to lead in such a way that less and less of it is dependent on me. that mm. such that when I walk away, it could have almost no impact. Like, I'm not trying to like, like garner more power. Like I want to give away as much as I can. And Mm -hmm. if I could give it away faster in a way that felt good to everyone, but didn't burden anyone, I I would. And I come back often because I, I feel like I haven't done enough of that. I haven't figured out how to do even more of that. And I'd like to Mm -hmm. do more of that, Mm -hmm. Um, but I want it to evolve. And so if I question myself, it's like, is it evolving a new vision that's fresh and not just the same old camp?
0: Well, okay, so I love that legacy that I'll let me, uh, me uh you mm-hmm. it's a leadership opportunity for you to empower other leaders love that mm-hmm. so what is the vision what, what is that horizon that you that you go after
1: yeah well uh, so this this one is just from me, so I haven't checked this one with my counsel sure you know, I mean, sure just, yeah this like, is
0: your personal like, what like- would you-
1: Where would I like to see Mystic going? Yeah, yeah. Let me actually
0: let me qualify that a little bit before you. So some people think bigger the better. So now yeah, we have right, right, 230, right. let's 300, 500, 600, 1,000, whatever the number is, like then wow. we have arrived, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's what your vision is, but I'm just no. giving you other uh, the voice. No, we'd be others. like
1: 600 people. I mean, if it, it, I mean, we have so many people asking to camp with us. We would be, if we just said, yes, we'll be as big as, as the amount of people that want to come, we, we would be huge, even bigger. That's right.
0: That's right. Yeah. So, so, so if not number or size, yeah. Yes. What, what is the, what is the vision? Like, what, what do you have in mind for Jennifer? Let me just say that from Jennifer's perspective.
1: Yeah. So, so just from mine. um, So it isn't about bigger, um, but it isn't about smaller either. There's some people that want it smaller. Um, I think there's a failure maybe to understand that uh, the smaller you are, the less people you have to build it, which means that it's a Mm -hmm. heavier load Mm -hmm. on the people building and it's also um uh so more people are doing more things uh it's a fewer number of people doing more or you have to make the vision smaller Mm -hmm. and take away some of the creativity of some of the people bringing projects that you ultimately want so one of my visions for mystic is that it is a a place a stage for Transformational experiences mm-hmm. that um, allows people that aren't just me to come in and say, you know, I have a vision to create this this transformation, and 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 out of that came like our temple, right? And there were people that came and they had this amazing vision to create this temple that had rituals in it, and I want Mystic to be a yes to people's creativity, right? Is is if as a vision, it's like, can we yes and blow on the embers of creative transformational experiences that are given to the grand playa so I, I want mystic to do that so rather than downsizing and saying no to everyone's creativity to make the simplest camp possible i want to see how do we f- thread the needle between not scope creeping too far to make it too hard um, w- Uh, uh, but still allowing people who have creativity to to be yes, to bring that and to see how they transform. It's not even just that their creativity is transforming people. When you decide that you're going to put yourself out there to build something like that transforms you. That's right. Right. So even if it was a flop, like we've had some projects that weren't awesome. Like, I loved those projects because they had to learn so much about the adversity of creating it and where they hit their own limits and how well Mm -hmm. they enrolled people or didn't enroll people. Like that was a a huge playground of learning for them. Mm -hmm. So I want Mystic to continue to be that. And, um, I personally want, um, if I have a Dharma, uh, on this planet, it's to help heal the divide.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And, um, we are a world that, at least for me, it feels more divided than I've ever seen it. Like issues that in the past people would just have differences of opinion on are now like sources of like hate and uh, cancel culture and rejecting. And, uh, um, you know, you can't hardly bring up any topic without it getting polarized, Mm -hmm. Um, even traditionally non-polarizing topics. And so if I can create a camp that, takes you through a journey that has you feel like you can end the war inside yourself, that you can heal the divisions in yourself, whether it's the masculine and feminine in you at war, whether it's the, the rich versus the poor, the progressives versus the conservatives, the black versus the white, the old versus the young, um, uh, the law law uh, abiding integrity versus the spontaneity and playful, Um, the spirit versus the material, all of these things that seem to be at war, if I can create an experience for people that upon coming into that, those things integrate inside themselves uh, and that those divisions begin to heal in profound ways, then I will feel like I'm living into the vision I see that mystic can be. Mm. So I would more explicitly create those experiences and call people forward that want to create those experiences. Right now, that can happen a little bit. It's subtle, that that, you know, we have like a masculine and feminine tribute altar on both sides of our, mm-hmm. of our, uh, theater and a masculine, uh, and a men and women's circle that happens prior to the party to mm-hmm. create the marriage of those two as they come in. But it's subtle. Like how would you as a bystander even know that? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would just do it more and more and more and more explicitly
2: mm, I because that. I really
1: want to end the war. Um, We cannot live in a world without war until we heal that war inside ourselves that we replicate in our political systems, our economic systems, our relationships. And so I want to heal that. I want to bridge those bridges. I want to make those bridges.
2: Mm.
0: I can't remember who said this, Mm. um, but he gave me a very beautiful metaphor. Mm. He said that um, a lot of times we look at these issues the the polarities the 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 inner war the outer war the climate change all these things and we feel very small comparing to those big issues yes and then he his beautiful metaphor is just consider that when you go to the gym you don't look at all the weight and say oh my god a thousand thousands and thousands of pounds of weight how do i lift them uh-huh. You lift them, you get better as a human. You transform as you transform your body and then you are better. And then and then then you then after that you set it down. So I really appreciate how your vision is to bridge the divide with all these things. And and at the same time, I also feel this is me. Uh-huh. Let me know if I'm projecting that you don't it's not coming from a place of like, oh my God, this is way too big for me. You know, uh-huh. this is you're right. This is this is something that you you want to devote your life to do so that's the way i feel when you were describing it
1: oh i love that i love that because it 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 can feel big because it is bigger than any one person right no one person is going to do that no one theme camp is, is going to do that but we have an opportunity moment by moment to create an interaction that does that every every interaction is an opportunity for us to do that i see as we walk through the world every interaction is an opportunity to lead um, and to create culture, that we are walk, walking culture creators, and so in this interaction, do we create more division or do we create create more synergy? Right. And so if I if, if if I'm holding that as my dharma, then I get to do that. It's a privilege, not a not a heavy obligation, but a privilege that I get to do that and recreate that experience everywhere I go, with the barista at the coffee shop, with at, at Burning Man when I'm pulling a zip tie with someone. I mean, it's everywhere. And mm-hmm. I, I think that we, if we hold our dharmas as the, what we bring in every minor moment, like the mundane moment, that, that, is, that is a healthy relationship to it. That we'll never feel like you're never Atlas holding the world on your back
2: mm-hmm. yeah. um,
1: you, you, where, where you, you can barely man- manage the weight. It's, it's you moment by moment, moment by moment, one mm-hmm. step at a time. So uh, that's So
0: ha- Having thought of myself as atlas for for a while you can't yeah me that. too by the way yeah. I
1: have that one.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah you can do that but you don't have to you know it's more joyous if you think about let's say going to the gym versus being atlas as an yeah, example yeah, yeah. so yeah. so inside of that jennifer uh two schools of thought one school of thought is hey if you do your job and your passion together you never have to work again in your life that's one school of thought another school of thought is uh, hey, separate your passion, your life's work and how you make a living and because to maintain purity,
2: mm-hmm. what
0: what's your, I'm, I'm assuming I'm projecting probably yes. the first school, but I'm like, how would you answer that question? What's, which school are you?
1: Oh, oh I mean, clearly, clearly, <laughs> um, I am definitely all about decompartmentalizing. Mm. Um, there is a, a, famous quote. Uh, let me see if I can remember it. Um, uh, let's see. It's, it's the, basically the quote is, uh, the master in the art of living, um, uh, makes little distinction between their, you know, uh, recreation and their religion, their work, their play, you know, and it's all of these interplays, their leisure and their, their, their labor. Um, they're always doing both. Right. So that, that quote, which I butchered a little bit, but that is to me how I wanna live my life. Because uh, the minute that I'm compartmentalizing and, and creating something that is a labor, that isn't who I am or isn't who I, what I wanna be, then I've set myself up into this dichotomy where I'm trying to like sacrifice myself to do this work thing so that i can buy back my freedom or happiness later which is the plan that most people are doing like Mm -hmm. i'll have a job so i can buy back my retirement where i get to just Mm -hmm. be be who i want to be like Mm -hmm. that fundamentally is this domesticated harness on our culture that's that creates a complete um uh uh, to me sense of like defeated kind of domesticated like unhappy work culture and Mm -hmm. if if what I do for a living is who I already am and what I mm-hmm. want to be doing because it's everything that I stand for, mm-hmm. then my, my work turns from a, a job to a career and from a career to a calling. Mm-hmm. And I can make anything a calling. I could be on the street selling you flowers. Mm-hmm. And if my calling was to heal the divide then mm-hmm. I would be imagining that as I'm selling my flowers, I'd be interacting with you in a way to reconnect you to nature and see you not divided from nature, but see you in the beauty of the awe of this life. And I could use that to live my Dharma. I could use anything to live my Dharma, every interaction I could do it. And in that way, I'm not compartmentalizing this part I don't like from this part I like. Mm-hmm. So I want uh, for all of those things to blend together because Mm -hmm. I want to be loving what I'm doing. Part of why I do mystic is because Mm -hmm. I love doing it, not because I have to, not because it's work, right? It's both it's recreation, it's leisure, it's fun, it's play, it's dharma, it's beauty, it's hardship, it's all of it. And so that's sort of how I hold those things. Now I understand why people divide it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it could be like I'm coming from a privileged place. Well, Jennifer, you get to do this, the great things that you love. Not every, some people have to be take out the garbage, you know, they have to uh, pick up after They have to do jobs. They don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand um, that it can sound very privileged and, 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 and it is. And I also understand that if you bring that level of joy to every, like picking up the trash from the park, um, uh, being the janitor, uh, at NASA, Mm -hmm. you know, wherever you're Mm -hmm. at, uh, that you can actually, um, have your life feel very fulfilling moment by moment. And therefore you end up doing more and more and more of what fulfills you. And so very quickly, the thing that you're doing is what's fulfilling you because that's how you approach life as a, as an opportunity to be fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I hold Uh, it. Yeah. so,
0: so, so I'm definitely in the same camp with you. I'm that yeah. first school of thought for sure. Uh, yeah. it's a little bit of a leading question because I want to ask you this question.
2: Right?
0: Oh, sure. So so the question I want to ask you is you do a lot. You know, the, you. the the thing that I saw is it's already a lot and it's the startup by itself. So and then you have three other jobs. You are also married. So yes. <laughs> and yes, we
1: have an 18-year-old I, at home and
0: oh yeah. I didn't know you you're yes. your parent. That's great. Yes, uh, that's the 18. first time I hear it. That's awesome. Yes All right. That's so, so you have a lot of things on your yes. plate, right yes. so, so how do you manage the limited amount of time and energy, uh, an internal resource so then you can show up as your best versus show up as your worst and you know, over, you know. So how, how do you manage the internal resources too, so that you get to you know, live your dharmic path and still have a lot of joy?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's two things. One is I feel like I was blessed with a fairly resilient energetic constitution, meaning like naturally I'm very energetic. Like I have a lot of energy in general. Like I'm not one of those people that's like tired all the time. And Mm -hmm. uh, so, 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 so one, I'll just say like, like the biology is, was, is our genetics is on my side, but Mm -hmm. to, to the degree to which not all of it is that nature versus nurture and all, um, uh i'm gonna say it through a metaphor so mm-hmm. uh have you ever been on a boat and have you ever been sailing
2: mm-hmm.
1: okay good so so there's a motorboat there's the living your life kind of like a motorboat, and there's living your life more like a sailboat okay right? and so so the motorboat if you've been on a motorboat um uh, uh it's got gas. And you can, you can apply the gas and it, it, it's choppy. It's like, it's, it's, and, and when you're on the motorboat, you're like, the wind is whipping through your hair and you're, you're, you're bouncing on the waves and, and you have this limited amount of fuel that can run out. And mm-hmm. life is very much like that. If you run your life uh, from a motorboat where you're using your own willpower to push as the fuel in the tank against the current of, mm. uh, of all the things you have to do because you have to go that way Um, You know, then um, you run out of gas. Um, Mm. But a sailboat, if you've ever been on a sailboat, when you're sailing perfectly, the wind speed and your speed are almost the same. So it's, it's almost entirely peaceful. Right, mm. you're not like jumping like this. The wind isn't whipping through your hair. It's like, oh, the, you've caught the wind in a sail, and the sail has filled it, and you're you're using an infinite resource of the wind, and then adjusting your sail and adjusting your course to just continue to use the wind, not your own mm. willpower, not the not the fuel that's going to run out, um, and that fills your sail, and it's like it feels like an infinite resource in that moment because you do adjust over time.
2: Mm-hmm. So, yeah,
0: tack um, back and forth. Yeah, you
1: tack, You can tack back and forth, right? If you've sailed, so so that metaphorically is to me how I do it. It's when I'm at my best, is that I am using my motorboat to get me into the middle of the water. Sometimes when I need that, like I need mm-hmm. to get there. So mm-hmm. it's not that I don't ever motorboat, but to the degree to which I can, I'm feeling like the energy that I'm using to do what I do isn't mine, mm. the it wins it's, and, and and just to make it more real, like let's say you care about ending hunger on the planet mm. mm-hmm. and that's your job is to be part of a nonprofit ending hunger. If I can locate myself next to all of the people that care about that and all of the energy towards wanting to make that happen, there's a there's a huge number and a huge amount of energy that cares about that cares about that cause, wants that cause to happen. So I don't have to source my own energy as the only person on the planet that cares about something. Mm. I'm feeling everyone across all our population in our universe that's like, yes, we want to go in this direction and sourcing my energy from there. So it's like I always have the energy to give. And I'm trying to be as frictionless as possible. So I'm looking for ways to be less – like less and less friction. So where can I create more lift in the system? So everything I've done at, at as a Burning Man theme camp leader is mm. finding the friction and trying to develop systems to relieve the friction and then doing mm. it again and then finding some friction and then creating systems that relieve the friction so that it's very smooth. So mm. that to me allows you to accomplish and have a lot more capacity to, mm. to notice in your life. When are you running your life? as a motorboat and when are you being the sailboat and just mm. start noticing, start seeing you, where you're creating drag in the systems that you're in and see how you can create more lift.
0: Yeah. I, I have, I love that metaphor, by the way, Yeah, the motorboat versus yeah, the motorboat sailboat, versus sailboat. Or, yeah. or, or this swimmer going against current or yes. the surfer, right? These type of naturalistic metaphors uh, that makes it very real, very visceral. I, I love this.
1: Yeah, everyone that cares about that issue, if you're aligned with that issue, then all of their energy, all of their resources, all of their opportunities, they they come to you because you are aligning with something that's bigger than you, that's driving it. Mm. It's the wind, it's something large, not just the small small self you trying to make mm. something happen by yourself. If small self you tries to make something happen, that's like pushing a rope uphill. It just does it's just hard. Why like mm. And yeah, we're going
0: back to Atlas again.
1: Yeah. 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 It's like, right. Yeah. Like,
0: yeah. Let, let's um,
1: not have to do it alone. Right.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, part of the reason why I do this podcast is that, you know, one mm. of the things that I learned from a course I did in Landmark is we're a network of our conversations. We are. We are a network of our conversations. So, how can I get into conversations with people who already care about transformation, yes. already care about the crisis of consciousness, already mm-hmm. care about how do we, you know, help people identify the core wound, superpower. You know, uh, their purpose. These type of work and how do we help them? You know, uh, create a, a career that's following their their gift, their passion. So then they do have to work a, another day in their life. Like this type of conversation is what I love, and hence
1: why oh, one it's well, see, and you're doing that. See, when you're doing this podcast, I, my guess is it feels like a sailboat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's your joy. Like you're not doing it because you're obligated. I mean, maybe there's a little of that, but I imagine that you love having these conversations, which is why you would even come up with doing a podcast like this, which is why even the doing of it is transformative for you and for other people mm-hmm. versus, oh, this was my task list I had to do today, <sighs> right? Yeah, But you wouldn't keep doing it you this would run is, out of willpower
0: for sure this is definitely I mean there's a little bit motor boating yeah I, I don't yeah. know if that's the right I, phrase but there you, at go. <laughs> there yeah, you go at times but, right yeah, yeah but but for the most part this is my life's work I, I enjoy it I hope Um, my intention I'll make it public my intention hit. is that my guests get to tell their story and yeah. not just their normal spiel that they tell everywhere else but they right. also get to see a new pattern, a new new thing that they never saw before, such that they experience the brilliance, they experienced their own wisdom newly. That's my secret intention for um, uh, any oh, podcast
1: guest. I won't tell. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so such that others can say, "Hey, if Jennifer can do it, if CK can do it, so I will want to do the same as well." Yeah. So,
2: yeah.
0: So, so speaking of that, uh, oh man, time is almost up. Uh, do yep. you have a time to go a little? I, I have
1: more? I have a little more time. Yes. <laughs> okay. Thank
0: you. So so speaking of that, um, you do many different things, and how do you tactically balance your, you know, your limited time, your energy, and so forth? Is there any framework, any organizational things, or is it literally just? Yeah. I wake up today. I'm called to do this one thing, so I'll go do this one thing.
1: Yes. I, so, so but, but both, both are true. I, um, I was one of those people really motorboating myself like crazy, like, come on, Jennifer, do it all. Um, and there came a time, I guess, where I decided that of the mountain of things that I should do in any given day that I would approach my day with, well, what am I excited to do? because just being in motion towards something that has your excitement and your joy um, has energy in it for you, even if it isn't the most important thing that you had to do, that just getting into motion, like motion begets motion. Like once you're in motion, you tend to stay in motion, like inertia will teach you, like a body in motion uh, remains in motion and the body stopped will stay stopped. That um, if I selected where I poured my time based on what brought me the most energy in that moment, that that allowed me to be incredibly productive. Like then the amount I get done by day, they, I, I've had said about me, you get done in one by accident, what most people do on purpose, you know, like it just, it, you, you, it feeds on itself. It's like you're in, you, you've gotten to the middle of the water and the sail is now set. And so you're going. So that's a piece. Um, tactically, um, you know, I get to collaborate with some pretty extraordinary people and, uh, right people, right roles is really important. The right people are doing the right roles, the roles that are where, where they really come alive. So that's a piece. Um, and doing things that I, um, I've been lucky that I only do things that are, are dharmically aligned, like the things that I want to be doing, um, because they feel like they're specifically what, what, what I'm here to give. Like everyone's got a unique gift to give to this world. Um, everyone, it doesn't matter your education level, it doesn't matter your income. Everyone has, th- their presence is already making an impact naturally that they may not even be aware of. And that's the gift. So everything I do is, uh, I decide on the basis of, is it going to allow me to express more of that or less? And mm. so when there are things that I need to do that don't feel like the direct, that are like, Like sometimes you have to like take out the trash. Like sometimes you have to like clean up uh, and that's part of it. Um, But I relate to that taking out the trash uh, task as part of what empowers me to do my dharma. So I don't go, oh, I had to not do my dharma to take out the trash today because I didn't want to do that task. Or for Mm. me, I I had to write that marketing email and I don't like writing those emails. And so like, um, so that was me not doing my dharma. I was like, oh, that is part of, what's needed to create an ecosystem that works so i relate to the tasks that empower me to do my dharma as my dharma Mm. and so i'm excited to do them so i have energy to do them they're not the thing i'm sacrificing they're the thing that's empowering it and i think that orientation helps somebody like me be highly effective Mm. and where i can make a lot happen Um,
2: what Mm -hmm. yeah go ahead
1: Oh, I was just gonna say then the other thing is I have a funny thing where um, I, I'm, I, I'm a finisher. Meaning mm-hmm. um, I wait to exhale and to feel the pleasure of the accomplishment until it's done. Mm-hmm. And therefore I feel inside my system a lot of pressure, positive pressure. It's like the wind is behind me pushing me forward. I can feel that because I, I get an immense amount of joy uh, on finishing things. So I'll work those crazy, weird 16 hour days because I'm like, I can't wait to say, ah, it's done. Um, so that, (laughs) I don't know that everyone has that constitution, but, um, when you, when you wait to exhale until it's finished, it, Mm -hmm. it it forms you into the person that makes a lot happen that manifests and creates versus Mm -hmm. like always like letting yourself off the hook, like, Oh, I got done whatever I was going to get done today. Like, no, I'm going to feel good about this when it's done. So I want to mm. get it done as soon as possible. So that helps. Mm. I don't know if that's healthy or not, but it helps.
0: <laughs> now, now I know the secret. <laughs> Hold your breath when you do things and, and, and don't pass out.
2: Uh, <laughs> don't pass out. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, so what are some of the projects that you're really excited about in terms of serving your mission of bridging? Yeah. bridging uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. So what is, you know, are you excited about, I'm just throwing things out, uh, maybe technologies or any yes. projects that you're like really excited to bring forth to amplify your dharmic work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited about healing divide racially, politically and relationally mm-hmm. and um, culturally. So I have projects in each of those domains that have, are near and dear to me. Uh, in the area of love, uh, me and Brian have mm-hmm. a, have work that we do called Evolving Love. And um, we are there to really heal the divide between the masculine and feminine, rewrite all of our shadow patterns, uh, rewrite our relational DNA so that we can all live more of our ideal love story. And so I love uh, helping couples and singles heal the divisions that they find in their relationships. And that project is going and we do workshops and retreats and, um, uh, we have an assessment that we're coming out with soon and, and, uh, one-on-one coaching that we do. And I love that work. Um, and then I also coach, uh, executives and leaders to help create cultures, uh, that aren't divided that are, are more unified, evolving the way we lead. And that work is incredibly fulfilling Um, And so I'm doing that work. Um, I had a project with um, to change our racial ecology through the arts. Uh, If if you guys care about that, it's the Red Door Project doing incredible work to help really shift uh, our racial ecology and teach us really critical skills like critical thinking and holding multiple perspectives and how to listen and And bringing that to uh, organizations like um, law enforcement and the judicial system and the FBI and uh, corporations that are looking to heal those racial and economic divides that can occur in collaborative environments and have us more come together. And so that project is really near and dear to me. And um, so uh, um, and I also have women's work that I do and help facilitate. Um, so all of that, uh, all of those are projects that I'm up to. And then plus Burning Man um, that I care about. And I think if I'm about anything, it's about healing those divides through evolving the way we love and the way we lead. And so anything that engages me in interactions that are about evolving the way we love and we lead, I have tons of energy for.
0: Um, are there specific mechanisms, technologies that you're mm. really excited about? Mm. So, for example, like hey, VR is coming up, you can get more empathy by trying on the other person's perspective. Yeah. as an example, you don't have to use that, but you yeah, know, are there new mechanisms, or are there the mechanisms that you just continue to go back on? Hey, you, re- if you really want to bridge the divide racially, master yeah. this mechanism, that mechanism.
1: Are, are are so 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 one 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 reason that. Mystic is cool and the, the Red Door Project is is so great, is um, using the power of storytelling in the arts mm. to break down barriers, to dissolve barriers that are hard to dissolve otherwise. So it's one thing to kind of talk at someone like, hey, let's be different <laughs> and let me tell you how and, um, and be more pedagogical or like be like a teacher. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, telling someone what to think or believe. Um, and in today's culture, there's some resistance to that now that we've built. Like we, we're we wary and skeptical of our leaders um, these days. And for good reason, mm-hmm. we've had a reason to want to question those in power. Um, but there's a power in using the arts and in using storytelling as, as a technology. I know that you're probably wanting me to say like VR, but as a technology, the arts, um, when you watch an actor, for instance, give a monologue about their experience of racial profiling. Mm -hmm. It's hard not to be irrevocably changed by their experience. He's not preaching at you. He's not telling you how to be, what to do or what to think. He or she is just saying, this has been my experience of life, walking in my shoes. And you're viscerally sitting there, living it and breathing it with that person. You humanize each other. And if Mm -hmm. we can further humanize each other, we'll stop killing each other and warring with each other. So I think there's a potency of of the technology of art and storytelling specifically to break down barriers in ways that nothing else can. So that's one. Um, VR. I had someone at Mystic that created a film on human trafficking. Mm. It was r- riveting in its potential, meaning the the story of human trafficking was told in a VR glasses from three different perspectives. The person being trafficked, you watch her and you're literally like in her, like looking at her Mm -hmm, eyes, mm -hmm. seeing her hands, living the experience of her getting trafficked. It's like visceral. And then the movie switches and you're the like the gigolo and you're seeing it through his eyes, having like gotten her to do it and seeing like what his perspective is. And then you're seeing the person that uh, is uh, like her client. Mm. living that experience. And that changes you in a meaningful way. And I can't wait. I have nothing to do with this, but I can't wait for that technology to be used more uh, commonly to Mm. help us experience the thing that I want most, which is that we actually don't think abstractly and dehumanize on our social media platforms where we can tear each other apart, give you an eye roll and a snarky comment because you're not a real human to that Mm -hmm. person right? You were dehumanized in that moment in an ever so slight way.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: But if we connected through actually looking out each other's eyes and living through a VR experience of something that we have strong feelings about in order to have more empathy, curiosity, and compassion for it, um, that will do a lot, I think, to heal us as a culture. So anything Mm. that puts us face-to-face with that and living someone else's story, movies, TV, um, entertainment has the ability if it's if it's transformational entertainment, to do that, um, and I hope to be generating and creating a little bit more transformational entertainment as well. Um, I love
0: this. Thank yeah, you so and much.
1: facilitated experiences too. You know. So anyway, yes. Uh,
0: uh, well, transformational media, yeah, in-person experiences. Yeah, these are, and then actually the thing that we talk do we talk about a lot is ayahuasca journeys because that has been very meaningful for me myself. Yes. Uh, as a way to change perspective, right? To actually have empathy for the people who are not, mice, you know, looking through these eyes, but also looking at th- through their eyes as well. In the very yeah, biologically,
1: literal. biologically speaking, whether you might have your listeners might have different relationships to things like psychedelics, but biologically speaking, what's happening in the brain is that it's making new connections, mm-hmm. right? Uh, new connections that are novel, which is why you can feel, uh, you know, so strange at times because literally mm. new connections that your brain has never made before are happening and there you feel altered. So it's altering you at a biological level to have new connections. And you can go back, you know, because they don't last forever. So it's not like you're permanently, you necessarily are permanently insane or 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 changed, but you are, are given a, an opportunity to have those new connections and therefore, maybe see the world a little bit differently, and sometimes that expands you in positive ways, and sometimes it makes you more scared. Um, but I think that's an amazing technology. Um, I don't—I'm not a big believer in overusing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it should point the way to doing mm-hmm. it endogenously, meaning doing it on your mm-hmm. own. Now that you've seen what it's like to be one with the universe because you had a little help through a medicine, then can you? have that anchor experience and recreate it in your life without um, something synthetic or or external to you having to create it for you. But you actually do the work of your own consciousness raising in order to live that way. So that's pretty amazing to me.
0: Uh, Yeah. I mean, one reason I go to Burning Man is Burning Man in itself is very much a psychedelic experience. You don't
1: even need to do anything. it's You're also just walking. Everyone talks about that. It's a reality distortion field. Um, yeah, and facilitated experiences can all have that potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and so totally. I like those technologies. Like I do a lot of facilitated work. And so creating like a reality distortion field experience for people to walk inside of as an experience and therefore be forever changed. You can't unsee it. You can't unknow it, you know, mm. when you viscerally experienced it.
0: Yeah. yeah. I really, really appreciate this. Well before i uh acknowledge you for all oh. the beautiful things that you um share with oh. us, what's like one thing if people are listening all the way through oh wow, what's one thing that uh-huh. you wanna leave younger Jennifer, younger c k hey remember this thing like if you just remember one thing, what's one thing?
1: oh gosh, oh <laughs> <laughs> on the spot, one thing there's like forty seven thousand things. How do I do one thing okay, let's see um um I, I mean, I think the message is, um, uh, to humanize each other, mm. um, in every interaction, especially those you disagree with, mm-hmm. um, see our shared humanity, um, and learn to hold, hold their perspectives as, uh, an integral part of the whole. Um, and if we can do that, then I think we live in a world that works for all life, not even just human life. And um, so I want us to really actually connect to that, and um, uh, this will help us heal that divide. This will help us be the bridge. Um, so be the bridge in your life. Um,
0: actually, on that note, mm. one more question. Sure. <laughs> so yeah. a huge part of who you are, what you stand for, is community building. Yes. You, know, you, you build this beautiful community in Burning Man. Mm-hmm. For you, as a camp organizer. Are you uh, dissociated from it after Burning yeah. Man's done? Because uh, some camp leaders, they do that in yeah. order to find yeah. some sanity, right? And Or are you more of a, hey, let's continue this interaction, this relationship, even though one. we're the second one? Okay, so how do you do that? How do you foster that personally? More, more the
1: second, point? more the second. But, um, you know, t- there are times of dipping in and out, like, whoa, okay, I need a break. Like, there are times of dipping in and out. But um, the lifelong connections is a major driver, like one of the biggest drivers to do what I do. That even one of those, like that you, let's say CK, made one friendship that you might not have made otherwise, that changed you in a a way that was meaningful to you, that you have more love in your life because that person loves you and you love them. Mm. That that happened for you just once is enough to have me go back and do it again for everybody. Because mm. I, I want those connections to happen because it's those connections anything worth doing is 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 going to involve more than one person so I really um, am touched by how much of that happens um, we right now have a thread going with everyone on our roster that is like everyone is interacting and like visiting each other and planning to visit each other and planning trips and doing events together and I'm deep friends, I have deep, deep friendships with many of the mystics that started out as coming to the camp and have become lifelong friends and confidants and friends. And um, I want that to happen for everyone. So mm. I'm I'm a fan that um, it's not just a week in the desert, mm. but it's a, a, an opportunity to join a thriving culture-creating community.
0: Mm. Jennifer, I want to take a moment just to really acknowledge you for wow. being for, for the things that you do that we know for the wow. things that we do that we'll never know. Yeah, you won't know.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, as, Every
1: TCO, like let's thank them for all of both of those things. Yes. yes. That's a
0: huge visceral experience and you also share something really tactical about well, what does it actually take to yeah. run a camp for 13 15 years yeah. and also how do you nurture this intention so that it would amplify
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, the the mission rather than just doing the thing, doing the camp. And mm-hmm. also, we also touch upon um, lots of different tactical things around leadership. You know, how do you strike the nuance between um, intention? Anyways, so we talk about all that. So just really thank you so much for showing up fully and doing the work that you do professionally and personally and especially at Burning Man.
1: Oh, well, well, right back at you as, some, as a fellow uh, seeker and uh, leader in culture and a noble warrior yourself. Um, thank you for making space for conversations like this to happen so that people like us can share some of this. And hopefully there'll be one person that had one seed from this that was really meaningful for them. And so I'm just excited. I love having conversations like this. for For me, this is my play as well as my work. So I would do this all the time. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Love having you with us at Mystic too. So thank you for also just bringing your spirit and energy to co-create what we do out at Burning Man and beyond.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and inspire you on your journey towards purpose. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of this episode with all the important links at noblewarrior.com forward slash episode number. And also make sure to share this with a friend and subscribe on Apple Podcasts as well. I really love hearing feedback from you. So share a review on Apple and let me know what part of this podcast episode resonated with you the most. Remember, Your higher self constantly points you towards your purpose. And now is the time to take action towards that.